0: This is the Greg Peterson experience on v the Sports Betting Network.
2: We are out here in lovely Las Vegas. It is the Greg Peterson experience, and I'm Greg Peterson. So we've got three great hours to get you guys just a little bit of everything from the sports world to get caught up on. We've got some live college basketball action get you up to speed on that in a second. We wound up just seeing... A big one in college basketball go final as well. I'll give you my takeaways from Duke versus Gonzaga. We wind up seeing a very rambunctious day of college football as well. So we're going to be giving you guys a little bit of that. And then once we wind up hitting midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, going to give you guys a whole bunch of college football previews for what is going to be a rivalry Saturday. So we've got you there. Going to have you a little bit of NBA along the way. Obviously, some picks when it comes to college basketball for Saturday. So. Three hours of fun coming. First things first, let's take a look at the two games that are going on right now that you're able to bet on in college basketball. If you want to jump in live, you've got San Francisco and UAB currently doing battle out here in lovely Las Vegas. They're doing battle up there in the Orleans. And, well, if you want to take the under in this game, you're off to a very good start. As right now, you're finding live San Francisco, a three and a half point favorite with a live total of 128. This is a total that opened up 143. Pulse is anywhere between 141 and 142, and it is Zidane currently in the lead by a count of 43 to 40. About 12 minutes left in this one, and then you've got USC versus San Diego State, and boy, we are not seeing San Diego State's offense really shining right now. They have cut into this lead a little bit. They were down by 15. It is now a 39 to 29 game, and I could probably keep you guys on track as every bucket that we're getting because there hasn't been too many. Your life total on this game is a buck 06. Jeez. And you've got 10 minutes left right now. It is USC on the live line, laying 11.5 points there. We saw some very curious line movement on this game. I wanted personally setting USC more on a 3.5 to a 4 point favor, personally. And they wind up opening up as a 3 point favor, which is relatively in line with what I thought the line should have been. And then San Diego State wound up closing as a 1 point favorite. Why San Diego State closed as a 1 point favorite? I don't know, but with that said right now, San Diego State is the wrong side, but we have seen calamities in college basketball. Those of you guys that were with me and took Wake Forest, you know exactly what I'm talking about, so we're going to be keeping you guys all up to date on that. Also, with regards to college football, it seems like the entire card is just about done at this point, as we did wind up having a great day of college football as well. You wind up seeing Cincinnati being able to take care of East Carolina by kind of 35 to 13, so... He's pretty much, I thought, was a little bit too low on Cincinnati being able to lay just two touchdowns with them. That winds up coming through as you do wind up seeing a little bit of late action. Cincinnati winds up closing as more around about a 15-point favorite on a lot of spots, but did not matter in this one. Cincinnati able to get it done, and they are looking to become the first ever group of five team to be able to make the college football playoff. I'll certainly be talking a little bit more about that throughout the show. Also, I have to take a look at just some strange lines in general. I was talking about this a little bit when I was on the look at for Scott Seidenberg yesterday, and this was probably the strangest college football line I have ever seen. Iowa and Nebraska. Nebraska closes as anywhere between a one and a half to a two-point favor. When I was doing that show, they were a one-point favor, which means for some reason, people were betting on Nebraska in this game. Why? I have no idea, but... With that said, Nebraska wound up getting an early lead, but I Iowa able to claw their way back. 28 to 21 is the final. And I mean, it's just one of these things in which a lot of people ask if a line is a trap. I am a firm believer that there's no such thing as trap lines. There is such thing as public bias, just having a little bit of a warped opinion about a team. But this was one in which it just made me scratch my head. I, I mean, I wound up taking Iowa just on principle because if I'm going to go down, I'll go down being the mouse chasing the cheese. The cheese looks really, really good. Even if you're the mouse, at the very least, you're going down happy with the cheese. And well, wound up getting there. But I this is just one of the strangest things I've ever seen in my life. And we see more and more of it when it comes to some of these lines in recent years. But man, that is one that I'm still trying to wrap my brain around. I don't know if bookmakers thought that there was going to be some sort of a turf monster that wound up coming for only Iowa players and just completely left Nebraska unscathed or something like that, but that was one that I thought was very intriguing, and then we wound up seeing a couple ranked teams in action when it came to college football as well. San Diego State, they were able to get the job done against Boise State by kind of 27-16, to 16. and then you wound up seeing the good old North Carolina versus NC State game, and NC State, they wound up having a very dramatic comeback at the end to be able to get it done Touchdown with about a minute, nine seconds left and NC thirty-four to thirty. But more importantly, to those that want taking the points with North Carolina, you were able to get there. So we wound up seeing just a whole bunch of that. And then when it came to college basketball, mentioned it a little bit earlier. The fact that you wound up having a battle of top five teams out here in Las Vegas. And Gonzaga was looking to become the first team in college basketball history to take down three top five teams in the same month by Double figures, they were unable to do so as Duke winds up being able to take down number one. It was one in which if you wound up taking the over, wound up getting there. I personally want to make in this line Gonzaga laying eight. This wound up kicking Bass. my line a little bit as you wound up having Gonzaga open up in a lot of spots, anywhere between a seven and a half and a seven point favorite. as anywhere between eight and a half and nine, and Duke able to get the outright win. So if you to take taking the money line, especially late. You were able to get north three dollars on the money line with Duke, so you were able to get some tremendous value there. And for Duke, got to be taking a look at this team as not just a top five team in college basketball. I'd be putting them in the top three. I'm much like the college football playoff committee, despite what we want to see from Duke. I still think that they're the most talented overall team in college basketball. And you figured at some point Gonzaga was going to lose. I mean, we just we haven't seen a team go undefeated. In college basketball since Indiana in the mid-1970s. We're not going to see it again this year. Duke at some point is going to lose. Purdue at some point is going to lose. All these teams, they're going to wind up taking a loss. And when you wind up just layering top five opponent upon top five opponent. This was Gonzaga's third test against a top five team within the last 14 days. I mean, this is just bound to happen. But when it comes to Duke, you just have to be very impressed by what you wind up seeing in this team. Although... I will say this. If there is one concern about Duke, it's that Paolo Banchero, he wound up leaving much of the second half due to cramping issues. He wound up overall logging 30 minutes. He was able to give the team 21 points, so while he was out there, he was able to do a very good job, but it's been a little bit of an issue with him because you may recall that Champions Classic game, he also wound up leaving that game due to some cramping. He wound up not being able to play a lot in the second half of that contest, so Certainly is something to keep in mind when it comes to this Duke team and when it comes to Gonzaga, <clears throat> when it comes to this Gonzaga Bulldogs bunch as well. When it comes to <clears throat> them, it certainly has been Julian Strother, who has been able to do a solid job for the team. He was able to give the team 20 points, wind up falling out of this game. But with Gonzaga as well, they just wound up leaving Duke, be able to have their way out or Gonzaga wound up being able to have their way on the glass, but at the same time with Duke, Wendell Moore Jr. is a very unsung hero of this team. He wound up having a triple-double earlier this year. He very nearly went off for one against the Citadel, and in this game, 20 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals. Guy's a stat sheet so if you're looking for a little bit of an X-factor, not named Ponchero for Duke, it certainly is Wendell Moore, and that's really the difference with Duke this year, because when it comes to the Blue Devils, it's A team that you typically think of them as just having a bunch of one-and-done guys. You think of them as perhaps having one or two sophomores. But Wendell is someone that wound up sticking with the program for a few years. He's someone that wound up sticking it out. And he's now really been able to reap the benefits of it. Wendell Moore is someone that probably had a few chances to be able to reach the NBA. Let's call it what it is. Probably didn't perform up to what he was necessarily expecting coming in. But he has really been an X-factor. For this Duke team. And you just take a look at the hierarchy of college basketball in general. I do think that Duke now belongs in that top three. Especially with what we wind up seeing from Kansas today. Kansas. They wind up falling to Dayton by a kind of 74 to 73. And this is just how crazy college basketball is. When it comes to Dayton. They already have losses on their home floor. Not just on a neutral court. Not just away from home. But on their home court. To UMass Lowell. Lipscomb. And Austin P. Now, they wind up taking down Miami by 16 points in the state of Florida, and they wind up being able to get it done against Kansas by kind of 74 to 73. Now, they got a very fortunate bounce towards the back half of this game in that final shot, but certainly, you got to have your concerns with Kansas because they were without, for the first three games of this season, their top rebounder in Jalen Wilson, a guy that was able to give you right around eight rebounds per game, he actually Winds up coming in off the bench for this team. He winds up having just one point in 23 minutes. You can tell that he hasn't necessarily found his niche with this team to this point. Meanwhile, you take a look at Dayton, and they don't necessarily do one thing great in this one. They wound up going 5 of 17 from three point range, 11 of 19 from the free throw line, but they were able to win that rebound battle by kind of 32 to 24. And that is something that you have to be taking note of with Kansas. I do feel like coming into the season, we were overrating a little bit their big man in David McCormick. He winds up having just five rebounds in this game. And you look at more Cormick, eight points, five and a half rebounds. I know that he was voted the big 12 player of the year in the preseason. I'm not really sure why. So I thought that that was a little bit intriguing, but Kansas certainly has a little bit of a wart there for lack of a better term. And when it comes to Purdue, we're trying to find which ones they have, but you're not going to see them on against Nebraska Omaha, They wound up being able to take them down. And not just take them down because, I mean, being able to beat Nebraska Oma, that's something that a lot of teams are able to do. But 97-40, to it was just a complete and utter dismantling. You wound up seeing Oma get out-rebounded 53-22. to So, I mean, that just shows how good this Purdue team is. They've got a pair of guys and Zach Eady along with Trevion williams that they're sort of platooning minutes with. And I think that that is going to be one of the most lethal duels in all of college basketball. And when it comes to college basketball that you want to hear about, we've got more of it on the other side as we recap Friday and take a look at some live basketball that's going down right now. That's right here on the Great Peterson Experience on Vison the sports Bank Network.
0: at LuckyLandSlots.com.
1: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions supply.
2: You're
0: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network.
2: Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. It is a fresh way to be able to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes with two strengths, so that way you can easily find the satisfaction level that is perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zin. So head over now, Zinn.com slash find, to be able to find a store near you. That is Zinn.com find, and warning, this product contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical, as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience, right here from Circa Sportsbook, the wonderful resort out here in Las Vegas, and we've still got a lot of live action right now. This USC versus San Diego State game is going down, and right now it is to 44-36, and it's not like we just started the second half. We've got four minutes and 28 seconds left in the second half, so it has been a slog and a half. Neither of these teams are putting the ball in the basket tonight, but as you're seeing it right now, you've got USC as an in-game favorite right around what they're leading right now, right around 8.5-ish points, and the total... Right now, if you're looking to bet it live, it is very, very low. I'm seeing it anywhere between 80 or 90, 98 and a half, and 99 and a half. With USC now more like a nine and a half point favor with them going to the free throw line, they banged through the first. So, if you're looking to dive in there, well, you're going to be taking a very low total live. And if you're taking a look at the other game, San Francisco versus USC, UAB, it's not going a whole lot better. You've seen a little bit more scoring, but San Francisco. Currently in the lead over the Blazers of UAB by a count of 53 to 47. Got about five minutes left in this one. San Francisco closes as a two and a half to three point favorite. Total on this game went from between 142 and a half to 143 on the open down to more like a 141 to a 142. And thus far, That line move on the under has proved to be very, very good as right now I'm seeing a live total of right around 120-ish in this game, and right now you're finding San Francisco as a favorite of in the neighborhood about five and a half points, so we're going to be keeping our eyes on that, and then when it comes to the NBA, we've right now got double overtime between the Lakers and the Kings. We're talking about so much on this show about how so many totals have been going under in the NBA, well, the over Want a betting in double overtime in this game. So well, you want up getting one there if you want to betting the over because this thing looked like a dead under in overtime. And you even survived in overtime. But then you get to the second overtime. It's just kaput. Just makes me think of Scott Van Pelt's edition of Bad Beats this week when you wind up seeing that Troy versus Jacksonville State game. It goes over in the final seconds of triple overtime. Guess who had the under in that? Yep. That was brutal, but we've all been there. They don't call it Overtime because unders wind up cashing very often, but as of right now, you've got 121 to 120 on this game. Lakers are leading double overtime with a minute and 10 seconds left. Lakers, they're going to need some help if they're going to be able to cover this spread. They open up a seven and a half point favorite. they close anywhere between seven and eight. So, you wind up seeing books take various action there. And the total of 224 and a half on the open goes up to between 228 and a half and 229. Looks like there might be a little bit of significance when you wound up getting to the first overtime when you wound up going to double overtime, though. Well, it's just a kibosh for that total. So we'll be talking a little bit more about the NBA as we wind up going along as well. But when it comes to all the action that we wound up seeing in college basketball on Friday, it certainly was rambunctious, to say the least. We wound up recapping the fact that Kansas winds up falling to Dayton, and you did wind up seeing as well a big, giant win by Purdue. But you wound up seeing quite a few teams being able to have very good performances, and being able to, for lack of a better term, stabilize the ship. I think a big one that comes to mind is Alabama versus Drake. Alabama winds up losing as a double-digit favorite, too. And I own a team that I legitimately think is good. Iona is a team that you don't want to be sleeping on. And you just take a look at the wins that they've been able to accumulate this season. You've got an I a bunch that they were able to knock off Appalachian State a team that wound up making the NCAA tournament last year. They then wind up being able to follow that up, and they were able to take down Liberty. They were able to get a nice win over a Hofstra bunch that has been all sorts of pesky this year, and then they wind up being able to get that win. So you do give them some credit, but when it comes to the Crimson Tide, this is still, I think, going to be a dangerous team. They win and cover against Drake by kind of 80 to 71, and when it comes to this Alabama Crimson Tide team, they wound up not necessarily doing the best job on the glass they are a team that I might be looking to fade a little bit, but when they wind up getting more of these six to seven point spreads, just because free throw shooting is really starting to stand out to me with them. They went 13 of 22 at the free throw line in this game. Now Drake, fortunately wasn't a whole heck of a lot better. They wind up going 10 of 17 from the free throw line, but when it comes to the scripts of tide bunch, So far this year, they are shooting just 66% at the free throw line, and I'm going to be doing some trend spotting in the second hour when it comes to college basketball as well, especially when it comes to totals, but that is something that I think is very important when it comes to your handicapping. When it comes to handicapping, I think something that is big is for one free throw shooting, and then you also always want to be taking a look at turnovers. Not necessarily does a team wind up committing them slash being able to commit them themselves, but... Rather, do they win the turnover battle or not? Because it doesn't matter if you generate 12 steals per game. If you wind up having 20 turnovers in a game, like, I'm looking at you, Memphis. It's really going to be costly to you, and it's not going to be sustainable long-term. I think that that's very important when it comes to your handicapping. I just mentioned it with free throw shooting, especially when it comes to the spot as well, because if you're, say, getting six to seven points with a team rather than laying it, it's completely different because a team that is down six points with a minute left to go, they're not going to be going to the free-throw line. If that team is up six points, then it's a completely different ball of wax. So I think that that is a very important thing to look at when you wind up getting into, I'll call it mid-range favorites. So that's something that I always want to be taking note of, but you also want to be taking note of the good old Ric Flair mentality in order to be the champ You've got to beat the champ. And right now, the defending national champions of Baylor, they have yet to lose a game as they wound up being able to take it to Michigan State by kind of 75 to 58. A Michigan State team that has looked relatively good in the battle for Atlantis. They were able to pull off a pair of nice wins, including that thriller against Yukon. The Loyal Chicago game was one that was very intriguing as well. But when it comes to Baylor, this is a team that they've got multiple ways of winning. This was a lower-scoring game, a one in which you wind up getting the under relatively easily. And for Baylor, they go to 7 of 26 from three-point range, but a big difference maker for this team and a guy that has been very good for them is Jonathan John Wachachua. All year long, he has been really the top rebounder for this team with darn near eight rebounds per game. He in this one was a little bit more of a scorer with 10 points. James Akinjo, after he wound up having seven turnovers in that game against VCU, did a good job of being able to buckle down Didn't turn the ball over as much. And for this Michigan State team, it does feel like they still got a couple growing pains. You wound up having five turnovers and three points in 15 minutes out of Malik Hall. That is just darn near unacceptable if you're a Spartans fan, if you're a Spartans back or what have you. But when it comes to what you're seeing on this Michigan State team, you did wind up having some signs of life as the backcourt looked a little bit better since this game with Max Christie not being able to give you a whole lot of something. But you were able to get... Someone that I think was very unexpected in Jaden Atkins being able to give you 12 points as well. So you certainly had some good marks for a team out there in the big Ten. which really aside from Purdue, you really haven't had too many of them. We do have to cut in on this college basketball update to inform you that we're going to get another overtime in Los Angeles. As it's going to be triple overtime for the Sacramento Kings and the LA Lakers. If you want up having the under in this one, I Pour out my imaginary beverage for you because my gosh, this has been absolutely bonkers. You had what looked like it was a dead under because this is a total that opened up right around 224 and a half, closes right around 229. At the end of regulation, you wound up having yourself just a very good looking total in general, as it was 100 to 100. This thing survived one overtime and then it winds up going over in the second overtime. Now we're going to be getting a third overtime. So now, if you've got the Sacramento Kings catching right around like seven, seven and a half points, depending on your closing number. This one wound up being a depends on where you shop sort of situation. You are in an almighty sweat and you've had just so many guys for the Lakers be able to step up. You've got Malik Monk coming off the bench and why they weren't using Malik Monk a little bit more before. I have no idea. He's been able to give the team 20 points and you take a look at the Sacramento Kings currently 14 of 44 from three point range as I mean, this has just gotten comical, and the reason why the Sacramento Kings have not been able to pull out this game, I mean, I talk about it so much when it comes to college basketball, but I think that you still have to take it into account when it comes to the NBA. It's not as critical when it comes to the NBA. You've got many more automatic shooters at the free throw line than you do in college, but they're 12-22 of at the free throw line. That is the only reason right now why we are playing, because the Lakers on the other side, not necessarily a seller, but 16-22 of 22 at the free throw line. You've got the Kings right now winning the rebound battle by kind of 53-48, to 48, but Man, this has been very, very strange to say the least. And got to give DeAndre Fox a little bit of kudos here. 30 points, 7 assists. Five rebounds. So, I mean, this is one that has went completely harebrained in an NBA in which we've been seeing unders hit all season long. This is one in which it should have got there if you wanted taking it. I do have my thoughts and prayers to you, and thoughts and prayers if you're watching this USC versus San Diego safety game. I'll give you guys a little bit of an update there, and we'll take a look at a few games that are going to be coming up on the College Basketball Saturday slate as well. That's coming up next right here on the Greg and Experience right here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
2: The v Black Friday offers here right now when you sign up for our $99 dollars midseason football special, you'll also receive a $20 credit to the VSN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights and data for the rest of the football season plus $20 to be able to buy whatever you'd like for the b betting store. That includes hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry up. This is a limited time offer. To sign up for the perfect sports betting holiday gift as at B-S-I-N dot com slash subscribe as we're back here on the Greg Peterson experience and the game out there with regards to college basketball in the state of California is one final. We've got the NBA game still going on. We'll get you guys caught up on that in a second, but mercifully, this USC versus San Diego State game has wound up coming to a close. And all the money that wanted coming in on San Diego State, guess what? It meant nothing whatsoever as San Diego State opens up a three-point underdog. They close as a one-point favorite. This is why I always tell you, trust in your handicap. Don't necessarily just look at the line move and think, oh, yeah, now I've got to be diving in. I'm on the wrong side because I want to blame a few points with USC. And instead, it now comes out as San Diego State being the favorite. This is why you don't overreact. 58 to 43. San Diego State could not have looked any worse on offense than what they wound up looking in this game. Total winds are going way in the heck under. This one opens up at 131.5, closes anywhere between 131.5 and 132, and boy, they were really lucky that this game got to 100, to be honest with you. So that one is now in the bag, and you've got one other game that's going on right now, and that's San Francisco versus UAB. And this game is an almighty sweat. 60 to 56 with 21 seconds left to go. We're gonna be keeping our eyes on this as if you do wind up getting overtime. That winds up putting the total in a little bit of doubt as this is a total that winds up closing anywhere between 141 and 142. Right now, it looks like it's going to be a comfortable under, but I mean they don't call it undertime, ladies and gentlemen. Now it's sixty to fifty-nine, so Yep, the sweat is on. If you wound up taking this total under, you do not want overtime here. And if you wound up playing it with the Dons, anywhere between two and a half and three points, you certainly want them to step up, hit a couple free throws. So we are going to be keeping our eyes on this. I know that one of our listeners to this show was actually chiming in, Anthony Thomas. We'll give you got, we'll give you a little bit of a shout out here. He wanted firing it on the Kings plus 170 live. And right now, this is a sweat as well. to in triple overtime in Los Angeles. So you've got this game still going on and might be able to get a live betting opportunity as well. As right now, I'm seeing the Kings live right around a three and a half point favorite. Obviously, this is going to move very quickly, but man, this is a just absolutely insane night. We've got quite a bit of live action, but we've got to take a look at games that we're able to bet pre-flop now as the Saturday College Basketball Betting Board It's not necessarily the deepest. You're going to see much better Saturday slates in future weeks, especially when we wind up getting in conference. That is always prime time when it comes to the college basketball Saturdays and you wind up just getting the 100 million billion games. If you can't find a game to bet on a college basketball Saturday when you've got north of 130, you are a very much a selective better to say the least. But, when you take a look at the early slate when it comes to college basketball, one game that I think is going to be very intriguing is this Rutgers versus UMass game. 607-608 on the betting board. You've got UMass find themselves as a 1.5 point underdog here at Circa. You've got really the lone two that I'm seeing in. The total on this game is anywhere between 137 and 137.5, and it has been a cataclysmically bad start to the year for Rutgers. They wound up losing on their home floor to the Leopards of Lafayette. And no, Justin Jaworski and EJ Stevens did not wind up playing for Lafayette. Many of you guys don't know who that is, but they were the best two players from last year. They are gonzo and said that they were relying upon guys like Leo Boyle and company and Rutgers wound up losing to them, but we've also seen the best of times and the worst of times for this UMass team. With UMass, they wound up losing Trey Mitchell in the offseason, so... They're a team that's in quite a bit of transition. Now, you take a look at this Rutgers bunch, and I do like what you're able to get out of Ron Harper Jr. He's been able to pump in there right around 19 points. He's been able to dish out right around two assists per game. He's able to give you nine rebounds, so he's been a very solid player for this team. And then when it comes to UMass, is all about being able to find a little bit more three-point shooting with this team. It's been remarkable to watch the fall off of TJ Weeks as a freshman during the 2019-20 season. Was limited to 10 games, but shot 48.5% from three-point range. You've got the Kellys. Kelly Squared and CJ Kelly and Rich Kelly, both of these guys, are combining to give you right around 23.5 points per game as well. And, T- and Trent Buttrick has been able to give you 15 points per game for this UMass team, but with UMass, I think that they're going to get decimated down low. Cliff Amarui has taken a nice leap from freshman to sophomore year. He's able to give you quite a few boards. Now, this is a Rutgers team that they did wind up losing quite a bit with regards to guys like Montez Mathis and company entering into the transfer portal in the offseason. Miles Johnson being a significant one as well, but I do think that Geo Baker is going to be able to do a good job in the backcourt for this Rutgers team. He's been able to give the team four assists per game. He's still a solid three-point shooter, so I take a look at this spot. I want up setting the total at 132.5. We got a UMass bunch at last year. They really kicked it up tempo. This year, it just feels like they're a go-with-the-flow team. You just find some of these teams in which, if they are playing against a fast team, they'll be willing to run with them. If they're playing against a slow team, they'll be willing to play at that Turtles, that, at that turtles pace as well. So, I did as a result... Set this total at 132 and a half. I think the Rutgers is going to get back a little bit more to their roots. Play quite a bit of defense, but I did wind up setting them as a three-point favorite. So I'm going to be taking a look at Rutgers in this spot. And that's not necessarily world's biggest differential between my line and what we're seeing right now. But you never know how these lines wind up moving in the AM. Those of you guys that bet college basketball overnights with me, you will sometimes see a total move five points. And it's not necessarily an uncommon occurrence. So you always want to be keeping that in mind. We're gonna be keeping this game in mind as well. 613, 614 on the betting board. You've got Oklahoma, and they're gonna be taking on Central Florida. UCF buying themselves as a pick'em to a one-point favorite. Your total on this game is anywhere between 134 and half and one thirty-five. For one, if we wound up getting into this in college football, I would be signed up for that. That would be absolutely tremendous. I would love to be seeing Central Florida be able to lay it to Oklahoma. Obviously, you would need Central Florida at full staff. Now it would be more Cincinnati, who would be that competitor from the American when it comes to the football side of things. But when it comes to basketball, I think that what you want to be taking a look at with regards to the total is how much of Porter Mosier's style has taken hold when it comes to Oklahoma. I don't think overly many at the uh, overly much at this point. I did wind up saying the total at 134, So I'm barely looking under, but when it comes to central Florida, it's a bunch of which I want to make it a two and a half point favorite. Central Florida, I think is going a little bit under the radar because you've got a pair of guys, They're able to do a good job of being able to shoot for this team. Darren Green Jr. has been able to give you 15 points per game. He's shooting in the high 30s from three-point range. They're on there, C.J. Walker as well. Walker has been able to do a good job on the glass. A former top 75 recruit. He winds up coming in from Oregon. He's been able to give you darn near six rebounds per game. Not necessarily a guy that is going to be able to stretch a floor. But when you take a look at this bunch in Central Florida, I do think that they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job on defense. And then when you take a look at Oklahoma, it's a bunch of which... It's a little bit of an enigma to me because I do feel like you've got a lot of moving parts when it comes to this team. Now, I absolutely love what you're getting out of the Groves brothers. The bigger one of them is Tanner Groves. He's been able to do a nice job at six foot ten, shooting in the high 30s from three-point range. He's been able to give you six rebounds, right around 16 points per game. But on the other end, Darius Perry, I think, is going to be the best floor general in this, in this game. Right around 13 points, four boards, four and a half assists per game. Someone that from three-point range is shooting 45% from distance. And what I like about the Central Florida team, they hit their free throws. It is so critical in these tight spreads to be able to find a team that's able to hit their free throws. Right now as collective, 84.4% at the free throw line. That is fourth in all of college basketball. And that would be on pace to set a record for best free throw shooting percentage in college basketball history. So I think that they are going to be able to do a solid job of being able to ice this game as Speaking of trying to ice this game, we've got a pair of games that are very, very close right now. The Dons of San Francisco have now made it a 63-61 to 61 game. 2.6 seconds left. UAB is going to get the ball back. Your spread, your total, it is all on the line here. And apparently the ball wound up being deflected by a San Francisco player. So with 1.6 seconds left, UAB is going to be inbounding, trying to be able to... Trying to be able to either tie or win the game as you wound up having an arid, like Christian Leitner like pass, and it wound up deflecting off of a San Francisco player. So that's a little bit of comedy in and of itself. And then also keeping my eyes on these Kings versus Lakers game. You've got Russell Westbrook stepping up to the line for a free throw, 137 to 133, 23 seconds left. So, I mean, all sorts of sweat. And it's going down here as Westbrook winds up missing the front end of, of that free throw. But we've got a lot of college basketball games that are going to be going down for this Saturday. And we've got a couple that are lingering for Friday as well. But I also think that this might be a spot in which a trendy underdog is worth fading to use a Josh Applebaum term. You've got Louisiana Tech against NC State. NC State opens up a five-point favorite. They're now anywhere between a four and a five. At DraftKings, I'm actually seeing a four with some juice. And your total is anywhere between 140 and a half and 141. When it comes to Louisiana Tech, I like Kenneth Lofton. He is someone that I like to call the Bartolo Colon of college basketball because he looks like Bartolo Colon. He's been able to give his team right around 13 points, 10 rebounds per game, but I can't say that I'm necessarily too bullish on Louisiana Tech, and this is taking into account the Manny Bates injury. I'll get you guys caught up on this game, and we're going to take a look at a few other games, take a look at the finals of these games that are currently live right now, as well as we've just got all sorts of hoops that are back into our lives. It is November, and it is spectacular. As this is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on v the sports Bank Network.
0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW avoid. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
2: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself
0: on VSIN, the sports betting network.
2: We have a new prop tracker that is now available on VSIN.com for you to be able to keep up with all the key NFL tri- props. Head over to VSIN.com be able to get current odds as well as the movement for each week to be able to follow trends and find the best value with regards to odds be able to win the MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and so much more. Check out Prop Tracker, Betting Splits, Key Trends, Matchup Data, and so much more for every single game now. That is at BSIN.com dot slash NFLS. It is the Greg Peterson experience and we did wind up seeing a pair of games wind up going final one on the hardwood out there in Lovely Las Vegas, the other out there in Los Angeles, as it was San Francisco who got it done, but they were not able to cover. As 63 to 61 is the final, you wound up having San Francisco close this anywhere between a two and a half and a three point favorite. And for San Francisco, they wound up choking this cover away at the free throw line. 12 of 20 at the free throw line. Meanwhile, they went nine of 18 from three point range. How about what you were able to get out of the big man for San Francisco as well? 23 points, 13 rebounds out of. Johan Mazliski, the gentleman from Belarus, was able to have a very nice game in this one. And then you take a look at UAB, and they pretty much no-showed for the early part of this game. They were able to make a good bonsai charge late. But for UAB, 3 of 14 from three-point range. You did wind up having a trio of guys, wind up giving you double figures. But a UAB, UAB team has been averaging right around 12 steals per game. They didn't necessarily get a lot of steals, but they did force San Francisco into 23 turnovers in a game in which they wound up having just eight turnovers themselves. The next time you wind up fighting a team that winds up winning the turnover battle 23-8 to eight and winds up losing the game, you let me know because that is very strange to say the least, but for UAB, they just could not put the biscuit in the basket, especially from three-point range and San Francisco able to do just enough there and triple overtime has now... Gone final as you wind up having the Lakers fall to the LA Kings by fall to the Sacramento Kings, I should say, by a count of 141 to 137. You wind up having the under in this game. I mean, I just feel for you. It survived one overtime, it couldn't survive two. And then when you wind up just getting to three, I mean, what are you going to do there? But for the Sacramento Kings, give them credit 14 of 45 from three point range. You shot just 19 to 29 at the free throw line, or else this game would have been done a little bit earlier, but put a he healed off the bench, 25 points, and then you had 30 from the Aaron Fox. And then for the LA Lakers, you did wind up having 30 points out of LeBron James, 11 assists. So he was able to do his part, but also seven turnovers in this game, which proved to be a little bit costly. So another loss for a Lakers team that now finds themselves at 10 and 10 for the second straight year. They're looking to be a big giant disappointment. So we'll take a look at how this Lakers team is going to be doing moving forward. But Moving forward, we got to go back to the college basketball hardwood as we were talking a little bit about this Louisiana Tech versus NC State game. I was willing to take NC State as long as I was laying five points or fewer now that we've got some fours that are popping up. It certainly is appealing to me. Now, when it comes to having Manny Bates out the fold, that is big because in terms of blocks on a permanent basis, he's been one of the top 15 players in all of college basketball ever since he wound up stepping onto campus but you do take a look at what you're able to get out of nc state as well and what i do like for this team is yaron seaborn seaborn has been absolutely tremendous for this team right around 20 points 10 rebounds he has been one of the biggest surprises in all of college basketball then you take a look at louisiana tech and i just am not bullish on this offense in general they're a punch up they're shooting barely over 30 percent from three-point range They've been able to beat up on some of the, I'll call it what it is, lesser competition that they wanted playing. And then when they wound up having that step-up game against Alabama, they just got completely toasted in that one, losing by 31 points. You've got Isaiah Crawford, who's able to mix in there right around 11 points per game. So he's able to do a good job there. But when it comes to players outside of Kenny Lofton, you don't necessarily have a lot when it comes to glass. Nobody else that's giving you more than 4.7 rebounds per game. Keyston Willis is someone that is shooting right around 50% for three-point range. I do give him a little bit of credit, but I think that Louisiana Tech can have a little bit of a tough time here against NC State, despite the fact that they're a little bit banged up. I know that many of you guys always ask me for my near post play of the day when it comes to college basketball as well, and we're going to be going to the state of Utah for this one. We always talk about rivalries, and it is rivalry week when it comes to college football, and I have no fear. Once we wind up hitting midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, we're going to be taking a look at all these games that we're going to be having coming up for a big college bas- for a big college football Saturday and a big college basketball Saturday so not necessarily a non truth there but when it comes to this BYU versus Utah game you've got two of the better defenses in all of college basketball that are going to be doing battle BYU is holding opponents to shooting right around 21% from three they are in the top 5 in all of college basketball three point shooting defense Meanwhile, you've got a Utah team that they rank in the top 10 when it comes to rebound rate. Both of these teams, in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, they are in the top 25. Both of these teams shoot right around 32% from three. I think you've got a good recipe for an under. This is a total that wound up coming out at 137, and it stayed relatively steady to this point. We're trying to take a look to see if we've really had any movement, but to this point, really none. BYU wound up opening up a one-point favorite, and I set BYU as a little bit more of a favorite. I'm certainly willing to lay it here That's a BYU team that they've already had a nice win on their ledger against Oregon. Starting to get diminished a little bit because Oregon has been having, let's call it what it is, a very rough time thus far this season, but Alex Barcel, I think is going to be the best player out there on the floor. Alex Barcel, over the last three years, since the beginning of the 2019-20 season, he's shooting darn near 48% from three-point range, Last year, in a higher usage role, was able to give the team double figures. And thus far this year, he's been able to chip in their 19 points per game. And then you wind up bringing in Tejan Lucas, someone who was starring at UW-Milwaukee last year. He's been able to give the team some facilitation, 10 points per game. So I think that that's rock solid. And then for Utah State, I do cr- give credit to the team and the start that they've been able to get off to. I think that Craig Smith, who winds up coming in in the offseason from Utah State to replace Larry Krasowiak, He's doing some good work. And Brendan Carlson is someone that is seven feet tall, shooting 50% from three point range right now. Got a little bit of a mixer and shaker in Marco Anthony. He wanted following his coach from Utah State over to Utah. He's looked solid so far. Just a guy that is willing to do the little things for the team six and a half points, nine rebounds. He was a part of that Virginia national title team in 2019. So, guy knows how to win. So, I think that you've got some. Relatively solid defensive teams here, but I think the big key for this BYU team is that despite the fact that they've been down a couple guys, you've been noticing that you've had Howard out of the fold due to injury. They've been able to step up on defense with guys like Gideon Georgia Company, giving you guys giving good minutes. So I think that that's going to be a little bit of an X factor. And when it comes to this Utah team as well, I think that just the lack of size in general is going to wind up costing them. So I do think that BYU going to be able to get it done, but I do think that both of these defenses are really going to be sought in this game. Neither team necessarily shooting it well from three-point range. Both of these teams doing a tremendous job of guarding the arc. Both of these teams doing a solid job on the glass as well. So, I'm going to make my New York Post play of the, day, the under, as I want to setting this total, closer to a 130, did make BYU a three-point favorite. So, I'm looking to lay a point with them as well. And when it comes to ranked teams that wind up coming out to lovely Las Vegas, typically It's a case in which what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas because they wind up having their resume tarnished a little bit. UCLA is going to be hoping that that is not the case for them. They are going to be hitting the road, playing a true road game against UNLV. UNLV finding themselves as a pretty sizable underdog right now with UNLV. You're going to be finding them in the pocket of somewhere between about an 11-ish underdog. And this is one that wound up opening up UCLA being a 10.5 point favorite. So we've seen a little bit of line move there. Your total is anywhere between 139, seeing a couple 138.5, seeing a couple 139 and a half. But when it comes to UNLV, I think that they keep this game within single digits. UNLV has been able to show a lot of fight under Kevin Krueger. Now, I feel like they've gotten the right coach in there because CJ Otzelberger is proving that he's a very good coach. Iowa State, they didn't just take down Memphis on Friday. They want just completely embarrassing. Memphis on Friday. He has proven that he is a very good coach, but he just wasn't necessarily a good fit at Vegas, and you can tell that he's just more in his element at Iowa State. Meanwhile, Mr. Kruger, he seems to be a good fit here with UNLV, and what I think is going to be important for UNLV is to go Ham. Royce Ham, he's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of rebounds. He's been terrific. On the interior, even in the games that they want to play against, Wichita State of Michigan, he was able to show up very well. Now Bryce Hamilton is going to need to keep UNLV in the game much in the way that Johnny Juzang is very much a check scorer. He's able to get it going, and he's able to give UCLA all that they need. He's been averaging right around 18.5 points per game. Bryce Hamilton is at two UNLV, a guy that is able to give you a couple of rebounds. Last year, at right around three assists per game. Hasn't necessarily been doing as much outside of scoring this year, but has been able to do a good job. We to put the ball in the basket. And then Jordan McCabe, he has been doing a very solid job of being able to facilitate for this UNLV team as well. Assist to turnover ratio three, so he doesn't get outside of himself. And with UCLA, it's intriguing because they're a very slow team, but they're a very efficient team when it comes to points scored on a per possession basis. And I do like what I'm seeing out of Tiger Campbell for them. Tiger Campbell has an assist to turnover ratio that's worth of five. And last year, his big bugaboo was shooting under 30% from three point range. He's shooting 60% from three. Now I'll make a bold proclamation and say that he's not going to be able to keep that up the entirety of the season, but you do like to see that. For UCLA, UCLA has a lot of weapons, but UNLV has been able to do a good job of being able to make over their roster as well. So I do take a look at the points here with UNLV as I do think that they're going to be able to keep things relatively close. Now, when it comes to college basketball as well, we've got some very intriguing things that have popped up. So here in the next hour of the Greg Peterson Experience, going to be spotting some trends that we found with college basketball. That's right here on v the Sports Betting Network.
0: work.